It has been said by some wise soul in the universe that family is art in its imperfect, loving human form. We understand messiness and are inspired by imperfection for through these things we learn to grow, to aspire, and to achieve greatness. We learn to thrive and we journey toward success. This is the art of family. So I welcome you to our family, the Cots family, where we create opportunities to succeed. Welcome back to COTS, the Art of Family podcast. This podcast series highlights our work here at COTS, the families we work with, the frameworks and techniques we employ, and the donors, volunteers, and partners that help us move our mission forward. This week, we're wrapping up our Nurturing Narratives campaign. We certainly hope that the conversation doesn't end and that through our discussions over these past few weeks, it has sparked deeper conversations within your networks, families, and even with yourself. With me today is LaTanya Walker, COTS Senior Director of Coaching and Engagement at COTS. Thank you, Tanya, for joining me today. How are you? I'm pretty good. And thank you for having me. Wonderful, wonderful. So before we dive into our conversation, I want to take a moment to kind of recap over these last uh, three weeks in our conversation around um, harmful narratives. Um, and so we begin our conversation providing the why we are talking about the narratives. And so for our listener who may be just joining and may not know what narratives are, uh, narratives are how we perceive ourselves and others, which affects the way we treat and engage with people. Some narratives can be harmful and isolating and just plain, you know, just incorrect. So through a grant from Kresge and um, Ideas 42, they surveyed COTS and three additional organizations about five narratives that showed up in data research um, that was affecting our nation and our community. And out of those uh, five narratives, uh, fatalism and paternalism were the most similar and endorsed with the national and Detroit average. And so uh, let's just describe, I'm going to take a minute here before we even, you know, go further into what paternalism and fatalism um, sound like and, you know, how it's been defined. It's been defined in, in various spaces um, and, and, and different. But um, here today, we're going to define paternalism as the idea that people who experience uh, poverty don't have the knowledge or skills to overcome hardship. So sometimes um, people feel the need to intervene, to educate, train, or monitor um, that individual or family's behavior. Um, and when it comes to fatalism, it's viewed as the poverty is a given in life, a natural consequence of capitalism or other factors um, that cannot be changed. So Latanya, you and your amazing, amazing team here at COTS uh, work with our families every day. And so having conversations uh, with COTS team over these past few weeks, um, these narratives show up internally and externally. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. So um, as your team are coaching and partnering and encouraging them, you know, to reach their goals, um, how has fatalism and paternalism affected families in their journey and how do you see the, and how they see themselves? I think one example is that some of our families can feel powerless and like their voice isn't heard or doesn't matter. Um, 
because of like the definition that you gave, if people feel that they don't have the skills or knowledge, information, um, so that can make you feel like your voice is not valid Mm -hmm. and that your gifts and talents um, are not important. And so one of the things with coaching is that we really get into their dreams. We don't just Mm -hmm. tell them what we think they should do or what society says they should do. We ask them about their goals. Um, Going all the way back to childhood, what's something that you used to dream about being when you grew up? Mm -hmm. And so because of some of the challenges they face, those dreams have gotten pushed down, but they still have dreams just like everybody else. So we try to find creative ways to help them to set goals for themselves um, and then support them on their journey of accomplishing those goals instead of um, just more judgment and, you know, things like that. So we're very intentional about the way that we view our families Um, and we have regular checkpoints with our coaching team and when our supervisor um, who is Delphia always having conversations having us do trainings reading materials so that we can always make sure that any biases that are there that we are checking ourselves um, and redirecting to make sure that we see the value in our families um, who they are as a person and that their dreams and goals are just as valid as ours Beautiful. Yes. Um, one of the things to um, to highlight what you mentioned was um, that our families feel powerless and like their voice. Um, in previous conversations, uh, we mentioned that um, having these uh, two harmful narratives um, takes away that holistic view of our families and, and actually seeing them and not seeing them through um, society's lens or yes. social media, um, even taking it um, away from what that identity of what homelessness looks like. Yes. And so, can you tell me, like, what are what are your thoughts towards that? Um, and you know, sometimes people frame and taking um, part of a couple of these narratives and the others, and and framing like this image of homelessness, like. Do you agree that there's an image of homelessness? Mm -hmm. I do. So two things come to mind uh, with what you just shared. One is we're very intentional even about not saying homeless people and making that an identifier of them. We will say this person is experiencing homelessness. Okay. So it's a temporary situation. It's a challenge that they're having. There's something going on, but it doesn't identify them as a person. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing is even being careful in um, terminology or how you speak about a person. Mm -hmm. I think um, another thing that came to mind was also not seeing them through the lens of what they're going through right now. So not just seeing them as a person who may not have employment or maybe having other challenges or who might not even have the clothing and things that they need and having empathy with that and realizing that, um, you know, if I did not have a place to take a shower, clothes to wear, then I may have, you know, some of these same things that people see with them. Mm -hmm. So not seeing them that way. When I look at our families, I see the person behind that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so it's like, you're speaking to the real them and not just the Mm -hmm. challenges that they're facing. Right. That that's, that's so, that's so rich. And so good um, there, uh, 
you have mentioned uh, having, you mentioned having um, empathy and not sympathy. Um, do you think narratives come out of sympathy and not mm-hmm. empathy? That's very interesting that you say that. Um, I hadn't thought about it that way, but I do think you're correct. So yeah. sympathy can even be almost like another put down in a way. Oh, yeah. poor you, you know, empathy is, hmm, it's asking why. So an example, a book um, that our coaching team read recently was what happened to you. Okay. And so with that, they say, instead of saying what's wrong with you is what happened to you because the things that a person has experienced um, affects the outcome that you see today. Right. Mm -hmm. So with that, with our families, instead of just, oh, poor you know, it's empathy of, you know, can we talk about maybe some of your experiences when they're comfortable in the relationship has been established, of course, talking through some of those challenges with them. And then it can help you to understand instead of having a critical eye. And then um, now with as far as being, you know, staff and being trained in this, that's when you can then start to help them put a plan in place. And sometimes that plan might include some mental health challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have been going through um, the experience of poverty for years, sometime a lifetime, that can be a drain on your emotions, you know, on your mental state, feeling depressed or um, powerless, which I think even goes to the fatalism. Um, We talked about feeling like, well, this was set up this way in society, so why try? Um, Mm. So a part of coaching is motivating, right? So in addition to asking them about their goals, we are very intentional to motivate. Mm. Um, I think even an example uh, today, we had a group meeting with some of our families at our emergency shelter. Okay. And at the end, um, each coach, we gave them a motivational message that actually had nothing to do with the topic we talked about, just to motivate them as women. Yeah. I always try to end meetings on a positive note because sometimes we can talk about some heavy things, you know, um, trauma, abuse, different things like that, um, because there's a slight uh, counseling component to coaching. Mm -hmm. So we may talk about some challenges during the session, but I'm always intentional to end on a positive note um, and to speak life Mm -hmm. into the person. Um, And so um, just ending on that positive note and speaking um, something positive to them, you know, you can help to change the trajectory of a person's life by a conversation, by how you treat them. Um, We have had times that a family could tell us, you know, I remember when you told me this several years ago and that stuck with me. Just like that's the first time anybody ever showed concern for me or that that's the first time anybody ever asked me what I wanted to do. Right. Something that's simple. But if you've come from a challenging background, nobody may have ever asked you, what are your dreams or what do you want to do? It's been survival mode. Yeah. So not taking those small moments for granted of looking a person in the eye um, and speaking life into them. Yes. You have um, beautifully um, talked about the experience of um, our families. Um, can you touch it even a little bit more like in, in, in uh, giving a, an example 
of where you may have um, had conversations with, you know, some of our families and where you could see easily that that fatalism or that paternalism has shown up like what does that family or that person look like where society and these narratives have like affected and not just affected, but actually have taken root in, into their lives where now they believe um, those narratives that they believe that they cannot do anything without someone solving it for them or taking it over or what have you. And that they feel powerless or, that their situation will never ever change, that this will always be. Of course, we know that there's a lot of barriers that are, you know, outside of um, their um, control. Um, and we've talked about that over these last three weeks about some of those barriers. But like, can you give us even more of a little more deeper context around that? I can. Um, I think of one person who comes to mind. Um, so I'll just call her sister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And um, I think of one of our engagement strategies, which is our monthly group coaching that we do with families who are no longer in our emergency shelter. Now they're in housing. Um, We offer coaching long term up to five years. And so that group coaching is with that group who has um, committed to long term coaching. And you really see a lot of peer to peer engagement where they then start to motivate each other. So this particular sister. Yeah. Um, when she started coming to group coaching and just even started our sessions, um, she would oftentimes have her head hung down low. Yeah. Um, it was hard to get her to open up during sessions and she would say things like, why try, you know? Yeah. Um, she would even say sometimes she was scared, you know, she would try something and she might even get judgment from her family or, um, just even being scared of the system. This particular sister uh, was raised in foster care. Okay. And there are some particular um, characteristics that I have learned over the years of coaching that I see with women that I coach who are raised in foster care. Okay. Um, so she was very timid and she was scared of the system and scared of even, you know, if she tries, what will happen? You know, could something yeah. happen to her? But when you've had, you know, these experiences from childhood of being in the system, okay. you know, and being shuffled about, feeling like you're not valuable, your word doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Um, then this is the outcome. And so I'm working with her and helping to build her up. And part of that was sometimes just sitting there in a session in quietness, asking her what she thought and giving her that space to think. Mm. You don't always have to be a filler, right? Or yeah. just still putting what I think on her, even me as her coach. Yeah. So asking her uh, what we would call probing questions okay. or um, also one of our engagement strategies is motivational interviewing. Yes. And um, that entails um, having a person to use their own words to motivate themselves when they speak it or when they hear it it motivates them more than coming from an outside source, Mm -hmm. right? So asking her those probing questions and then allowing her some quietness and space. And there were multiple times that she literally said, nobody has ever asked me this before. Mm -hmm. So allowing her that space. So 
a few months in of her coming to group coaching because um, she would normally just sit there quiet, but she showed up. Mm-hmm, all right. Mm-hmm. She would sit there quiet. <clears throat> she wouldn't necessarily have as much to contribute as the other ladies. I remember a particular uh, group coaching. We were still meeting in person. This was before the pandemic. Okay. We were at Peggy's place, our emergency shelter. And when we asked a question, she raised her hand. Mm. And so, you know, okay, um, go ahead. And when she talked, when she spoke, um, the other sisters in the group, they all started clapping and was like, oh my God, you talked. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And she was so happy. You could just see like the joy of being able to use her voice. Mm -hmm. And I know that might seem so simple to some people, you know, because maybe their voice has been valued since they were a child. They had a parent to say, what do you think? To say, good job when they drew a picture, Mm -hmm. those things. So when you haven't had that as an adult, you need somebody to um, help facilitate that for you. And so So um, this sister, she's still on her journey. She's working with another coach now. It's now that my director position, I'm not coaching anymore. Um, And so she's working with another coach. I still keep in touch with her though. And so now she's so um, thoughtful and can express herself more. Um, Her appearance has gotten better because see now the Mm self-esteem is starting to yeah to build up right yeah and so um I see that how she engages with her children is better yeah right being able to now speak more life into them um so I felt like that was a good example because her actually literally experiencing the system as a child and growing up feeling like she wasn't valued she wasn't loved and now to see her blossoming and then also just to you know share a little bit about our group coaching and um part of that engagement you mentioned about space and and pausing and giving her the opportunity to to breathe um per se and to actually um look into herself and look in but and out of that she knew what she wanted she knew what she wanted she needed just the water she didn't need the judgment yeah she didn't need somebody else's dreams and goals because they were already in her um they were already given to her and just being able to give her the opportunity for those things and that environment to grow and for it to flourish and it's, it's now impacted generations which is her children yes and so those things and those barriers and those experiences no longer can easily be passed on um, to her children. Um, um, That just, it just, so many things are going through my head right now (laughs) and excitement about those tools and that empowerment um, for that sister. Um, And so we're going to continue on this conversation because I'm like, I'm just getting excited here. And so uh, we're going to continue on this conversation here in a little bit. Listener, please just, you know, stay with us um, because we're going to learn about some of those tools and how we can all help um, our our, uh, families and our spaces and and places that we occupy. We'll be right back with you. Thank you for listening to the Art of Family podcast by COTS. COTS exists to create and facilitate opportunities for families in poverty to collaborate, thrive, and succeed in building strong households, neighborhoods, and communities. This is accomplished through COTS Passport to Self-Sufficiency. 
Passport to Self-Sufficiency is COD's poverty reduction and alleviation framework. It is used across all programs, delivered through a whole family approach to support families in developing economic self-sufficiency and stabilized environments in order to create a multi-generational impact and ultimately break the cycle of poverty. To support this mission or to learn more about COTS, our families, or our partners, visit us online at cotsdetroit.org. That's C-O-T-S Detroit.org. Thanks for coming back to COTS, the Art of Family podcast. We're continuing our discussion about the harmful narratives, fatalism, and paternalism with LaTanya Walker, COTS Senior Director of Coaching and Engagement. LaTanya, we left off on some good, good conversation here and talking about one of um, uh, our sisters because, hey, we're all connected within our community. So I will say our sister um, who uh, was given the opportunity to find her voice um, and to use her voice and to be empowered by her voice um, and for it to even affect um, that next generation. Yes. Um, and so um, with all of that, there were some tools I'm, I'm more than certain that um, you and your team used um, in helping um, to counteract those harmful narratives that were starting to take root or have was rooted within our sister. Um, we all, I think, know someone who um, sounds um, similar or familiar or a situation where we can see fatalism and paternalism and other harmful isms and narratives that have shown up in people's lives. What tools do you offer or that you can give in wisdom that um, we can challenge those harmful narratives and um, which are products of our environment? What can our listener, myself, and even you you continue to learn on um, the spaces you occupy on helping to be able to counter those narratives? So one tool that comes to mind is also from motivational interviewing, and it's called compassionate conversation. Okay, compassionate conversation. So um, they talk a lot about in uh, one, a book that I read on motivational interviewing, which of course I can't remember right now, <laughs> but I remember the first few chapters, they started out talking about how it's not just... Um, the skills that you will learn, but it's the spirit of, and part of that is compassionate conversation. So um, thinking about that, when you're having a conversation with someone who may be experiencing some challenges, may fall into what some people would feel like these definitions or that population Mm -hmm. is um, changing your lens and talking to them um, with some compassion and empathy. Right. So also with the book, what happened to you? So not just the what's wrong with you, but maybe um, if the space is right, of course, asking, you know, about their experiences. I also also find that a lot of our families want to open up. Um, I know sometimes it can be where, oh, a person doesn't want to talk about these things. Um, But I actually find that most of the time they do want to talk about it because they felt like nobody cared. Right. Because if, you know, back to these narratives, people feel like you're a failure no matter what. So why try? So having somebody to actually talk to you about your experiences um, 
can be powerful. And just to interject mm -hmm. in there, um, and uh, and just to remind our listener that space. Yes. It's like and giving them the, the opportunity, but also to allowing that space. I, I just, I really want to point that out that um, with listening, you have to listen. You can't respond immediately. Um, so you can allow that person to actually digest yes. what is being said or what's happening and what they're feeling. Um, so I definitely want to highlight like that important factor that you and your team um, did for our sister and giving her that space. Yeah. Yes, listening skills. So even in friendships, um, I have talked about um, when a friend comes to you with a problem, um, instead of just rattling off your opinion or even what you feel like is solutions, trying just listening. Yeah. So this could be the same for friends, for family, for our um, our families who are experiencing some challenges is those listening skills in yeah. conversation. Yeah. Sometimes even ask, do you want me to listen? Do you want me to contribute? Like seeing where they're at, what they're looking for in that conversation. Yeah, that's right? so empowering. Yes. It gives them the power. Yeah. And that voice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I have had um, several times I can think some memories are coming back where um, during a coaching session, um, you know, the person just after they got done talking, they just kind of huh, and sat back in the chair. And I'm like, well, what's going on? Ooh, it felt so good to get that out. Nobody listens to me. I remember specifically several yeah, of the wow. women I've coached over the years saying that nobody listens to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and, 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 and that's kind of like with everything in this world right now, there's always a response or, or something being said, but no one is necessarily pausing and actually just listening. Um, and like we said, giving those, um, those people and the, the, the space to, to actually mm -hmm. work through that and, and to go forward yes. with that. I think another tool, uh, which is something I feel COTS does very well, uh -huh. is sharing stories, real yeah. life stories. So at almost all of our fundraising events, we have families um, that are participating in coaching to okay. share. You know, they okay. may be sharing um, experiences they've gone through. They may be sharing their wins, um, you know, things that they've accomplished um, while they've been working in coaching, goals that they've accomplished, um, the art of family where they do the photo shoots and um, they get dressed up and, you know, they pick a shoot that has to do with um, an image they help create. Right. Okay. So um, things like that, that goes back to their voice being valid. And it also the um, the dual part is that when people read those stories or hear it at the events, it helps them to now see some real life examples of what they may have only seen on the movies or the news negativity, you know, um, with these definitions that we talked about, you know, just looking down on this particular group of people, it makes them um, a real person. Yeah. Usually um, people um, relate to what they've been exposed to. So if they've never been exposed to a person who maybe has experienced poverty, they have this image in their head that goes with these negative stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Right. But once they see it in real life, then they realize, hey, like she's just like me. Yeah. She's a real person. She's a mother that cares about her children, too. 
Yes. You know, and I think also uh, when they hear those stories, they start to realize some of the experiences they've had that they didn't know. That it's like they didn't just choose to have these challenges. Things happen to them. Right. That produced this outcome. And so it makes it like more real. And then now they can, especially through um, like our organization that's doing the work, they can help be a part of the solution. So one thing I found interesting um, with the definition for fatalism was um, let's go back to it. So I get it right. Mm -hmm. A natural consequence of capability. Um, capitalism or other factors and we cannot change Mm -hmm. that's the key part to me cannot change we can change it and Uh, COTS is doing work to help change it other organizations in the community are doing work to help change it but the most important part Carissa is that the families we work with are doing something to change it and so us being a support to help them with that um, because there's nothing wrong with needing support and that's the difference too I feel with the other definition that doesn't mean we have all the answers for them or telling them what to do not taking away their autonomy they get to choose just like we get to choose um and we're just here to support them as a member of the community isn't that what community is about yes yes coming together uplifting each other supporting each other being there with each other alongside and collaborating and partnering with each other. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, one more thing that comes to mind, if I can share, yeah. this kind of goes back to empathy too, um, where I feel sometimes with our families that, you know, when society is so harsh because they can see the challenges they're going through mm-hmm. because they are in a homeless shelter, because they need help with clothing, food, you can see this. So it's easier to judge, but yeah. there's plenty of people who have a big position, a nice house, nice clothes, you know all of these things and they have challenges too you just can't see them yeah yeah right and so they can hide it better so with empathy is you know what this person's is more visible let me instead of judging them or being so harsh so show some grace and maybe because I may be more fortunate with resources. How can I maybe use those resources, which is not just about money, donations and things. Of of course we need that, but also we have a lot of people who give to our organization with their time. Yes. Who come in and um, even do special things for our families and not just their holiday time. We have people who do that all year and it's needed. And so using those resources, you may be more blessed in to help build this person up because really they have areas they're stronger in. Right. Is you just can't see it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's all awesome. Awesome. Good stuff there. Um. Let's, like you mentioned earlier, you love to end on a positive note. So what can you end? How can we end today? What words can you offer um, to kind of summarize, to encourage, to motivate like you would in one of your coaching sessions uh, for our listeners? Hmm. A couple things come to mind. Uh, one of them is love. Yeah. 
So I know that might seem so simple, um, but, but it's, it's so not. Complex. Yeah, it is. And it still can be considered taboo in some ways, saying yeah. I love you, things like that, or um, talking about love openly. Um, so I think showing more love towards <clears throat> the members in our community who may be facing these challenges. Yes. So um, it meant less judgment and more love. And that can be expressed in many ways, whether it's how we said, if you, you know, do something for someone in need, or if you can donate money to an organization that's doing the work, if you can provide a job opportunity, you know, um, things like that, but doing it from a spirit of love where you, it's actually uh, um, for humanity. It's not that you even have to know the person or, of yeah. course, have love feelings for them specifically, but love for humankind, for humanity. So I would say just doing more in our day to day life to show love towards somebody. Beautiful. And if I can add grace, you yes. mentioned that before, um, but um, and, um, you mentioned as well that um, there very well could be a person who's well dressed and going to work every day and doing X, Y, and Z, but they also too are experiencing some of the things that our families in our shelter are experiencing, yet they may have just a little bit more resources or, you know, can hide it a little bit differently. So offering that grace to those, because we want that grace to flow right back to us, right? Yes. So uh, grace, grace. Um, Mm -hmm. So we offer you, our listener, love and grace, love and grace, um, Um, from these conversations. So thank you so much for listening to COTS, the Art of Family podcast. We hope you click the subscribe button and give us a five-star review on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you go um, to get your podcast content. A five-star review improves our search rankings It makes it easier for others to find our podcast too. And to be sure to like and follow us on our social media at COTS Detroit on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Once again, thank you for listening and we hope you have um, come back next week. Thank you again, LaTanya, for taking some time out, having a cup of tea with me and (laughs) having a great conversation. Um, We look forward to seeing the change that you, our listener, uh, will do from these conversations within their community and in your um, networks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Art of Family, a podcast that serves to share triumphs of families overcoming poverty and homelessness. As families journey towards stability, Cots believes there is always beauty to be found along the way. Through partnership, mentorship, and relationship, we all create opportunities to succeed. To support this mission or to learn more about Cots, our families, or our partners, visit us online at cotsdetroit.org. That's C-O-T-S-Detroit.org.